Okay. <laughs> We're doing now Tuesday's portion of Shemos, of the first book of Exodus, of Exodus. And we have here, in brief, we have the Jews' enslavement to Egypt, and we have the birth of Moses, of Moshe, the Savior, who was really born because his father, the leader of the Jewish people at that time, Amram, had separated from his wife, Yocheved, saying, what are we going to be married for and have children that are being killed, are being slaughtered by Pharaoh, by Pharaoh, who decreed that all the boys would be slaughtered. And then his five-year-old daughter, Miriam, had a prophecy that her mother would have a baby who would be the savior. And when she shared this prophecy with her father, he accepted it. He remarried his wife, and all the Jewish men remarried their women, following their leader's example. And Moses was born early, just like the first day of the seventh month. And of course, they saw his transmiraculous miraculous birth from this short period of the pregnancy. When he was born, the house was full of light. He was circumcised. But then two months later, the soldiers are going to come and take him and kill him. That's when they put him in the Nile and say, what happened to your prophecy? He, he's the savior. He's going to be killed. And then she's watching. Miriam stays in the reeds because she knows something's going to happen. And truly, the daughter of Pharaoh comes to bathe, sees the child, stretches out her arm, which could be impossible to reach the child, but when we do our effort, then God makes things work for us. So God extended her arm that she could pull in the boy, and she saves him, and ultimately takes him as her son and raises him in the palace. So now, in today's portion, this is now when Moses, when Moshe is already an adult, has grown up and is now taking leadership role in Pharaoh's household. So we are in chapter 2, verse 11. It happened in those days that Moses grew up and went out to his brethren and saw their burdens, and he saw an Egyptian man striking a Hebrew man of his brethren. So we know that obviously can't just mean he grew up, but he he uh, he got older, so this actually must be implying something more than that, because in the previous verse, the last verse of yesterday's portion, it says the boy grew up, and now it says grew up. So here, it doesn't mean age or physical stature, it means a rank, but he now was literally appointed over the household of Pharaoh, and he was obviously very, very, very gifted, very talented, very brilliant. And Pharaoh recognized his abilities and put him as an administrator of, of his country. At this point, actually, Moses did things he could to help the Jews. For example, he was trying to calculate. He knew there's a concept of the Sabbath, of Shabbat. And he tried to figure out what the appropriate day was. And he recommended to Pharaoh, he said, you know, it was very not productive to have these slaves work every day because then they would just run them to the ground. Better take off one day for them to rejuvenate so we get a lot more productivity out of them. And he chose the day that he thought was the Shabbos, which it actually was. So he's doing what he can to help the Jews. So he sees their burden. He's focusing and he's distressed over them. And then he sees this Egyptian man who's beating this Jew. So this Egyptian man was a taskmaster, meaning it was his job to get the Jews to work. He was actually in charge of the Jewish taskmasters because the system was that there was the Egyptians 
over the Jews were then over all the Jewish slaves. And he was striking him. He was beating him. Now, why? Rashi explains, and this was the only time in all the many years of the Jewish enslavement that this happened, that there was a woman. Her name was Shlomas Bas Divri. Shlomas means like shalom, hello. Divri means like to speak. She was, I guess, what we call a chatterbox. Hello, hello, how are you, how are you, how are you? Which made her noticed. And this Egyptian man noticed her. And he wanted her. So he came in the middle of the night, and he called out her husband to work. And then he came back, this Egyptian, into the tent to where they were living. And she didn't realize she thought it was her husband, but it was not. And there was relationships. And then, after that was over, he sent the Jewish man back home. And then the Jewish man realized what happened. And the next day, when this Egyptian taskmaster realized the Jewish man knew what happened, he beat him the entire day like to intimidate him that you know he shouldn't speak about this. Because even though the Jews were enslaved, they didn't take the women of the Jews. The women of the Jews were modest, were discreet, and they didn't touch them besides one incident, which of course have a lot of negative repercussions on many levels, as we'll learn much later. So here, Moses is saying how this Egyptian is, is abusing this man. So it says, he, Moses, turned this way and that and saw that there was no man, so he struck down the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. So he turned, he was turning and seeing, not just literally, of course, on the simple level, he's looking to make sure no one's watching, but on the deeper level, he's turning here and here, he saw what he did to him in his house, how he took him out to relationships with his wife, and he's seeing what he's doing in the field, beating him all day. And he saw there was no man, meaning there was no one in the future that was going to convert from him, not just any person, but literally saying a man here meaning someone of significance, a future convert. So in other words, what he did was he saved this Jewish man from this tremendous oppression and he avenged him for what he had done to his wife. But, you know, negative things happen to negative people. So actually this Jewish man was, had a lot lacking himself, and we see his response, because the next day, he went out the next day, and behold, two Hebrew men were striving. He said to the wicked one, why would you strike your fellow? So two Hebrew men, who are these two Hebrew men? So Rashi says, these were Dustin and Aviram. Now we know Dustin and Aviram from later, but they feature several times as these protagonists, so to speak, um, trying to defy Moses. They were the ones that left over the mun in violation of God's command. They're the ones at the end of this week's Torah portion that are going to uh, rebuke and chastise Moses. Why did you make it so hard for us? It's worse. They were the ones that ultimately, of course, were prime players in the rebellion of Korah where they met their end. But they were arguing. They just didn't were actually brother in laws And they were fighting. And they were literally physically fighting. He says, why would you strike? This is in the future because they didn't hit him yet. But if you raise up your hand to hit someone, you're already considered wicked. Why would you hit your fellow? He's just as wicked as you yourself. You're both very, very, very wicked. So they both were on this level, but one of them was raising his hand to the other. Now, one of these men, Dustin or Avirim, I don't know which one, was the man that Moses had saved the day before. Their brother-in-law. One of them is the brother of Shlomo Bastivri, and one of them is a husband of Shlomo Bastivri, and the children are fighting. Moses, the day before, had saved one of them, had avenged him for what he had done to his wife, 
And it saved him from this enormous physical, uh, you know, beating and striking and abuse all day long. And yet, instead of gratitude to Moses for, for literally saving him and avenging him, this is how he responds. He replied, who made you a man, a ruler, or a judge over us? Are you saying that you're going to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Moses was frightened. And he thought, indeed, the matter has become known. So you're still young. Are you going to kill me by your words? Are you going to say that you're going to kill me? Because Moses killed the Egyptian by words. He actually said God's holiest name. This is how he killed the Egyptian. So Moses was frightened. Why was Moses frightened? So in simple sense, he was frightened because, oh, hmm, he sees the quality of this guy he saved, and he understands that this guy actually wants now to get him in trouble for saving him. On a midrashic level, he's scared because he's like, wow, look how evil these people are. They're informers. They want to go and have me killed by Pharaoh. For, and I, I, you know, it's crazy. I mean, he saves him and now he wants to kill him. And he says, oh, maybe, maybe they're not fit to be redeemed. Again, following the same approach, the last phrase, indeed, the man has become known on the simple level. Okay, well, now everyone's talking about the fact that I killed the Egyptian. On the Midrash level, now I understand. I'm wondering, how. what do the Jews do wrong that they're suffering this way? But now I, I see the type of people among them. I see this is why they're suffering like this. The Lord wrote a comment on this verse and says, we see from here what happened. In the next verse it says that Pharaoh heard about this matter and thought to kill Moses. So Moses fled from before Pharaoh and settled in the land of Midian. He sat at the well. Moses was scared. And what's the response that Pharaoh heard about? From which we learn that if Moses had not had this response of fear, if he had trusted in God that he would be protected, then somehow it would never have gotten to Pharaoh. You know, it doesn't mean would have been stopped by the guards at the door. They would never have even gotten in. And actually, the Midrash says they really had to push Pharaoh to convince him to kill Moses. Pharaoh really didn't want to, and this was a, a very uh, favored person in the palace and, and very useful person in the palace. And only when they really laid it on and laid it on and laid it on did Pharaoh get enraged enough to order Moses killed. So, in many ways, God could have stopped this happening, which God could have done if Moses' trust had, had created that reality. But since Moses had this fear, the response was that truly the fear happened, and Pharaoh was told, and Pharaoh did seek to kill Moses, but God saved him. So, doesn't Avira, again, remember, this is the person that Moses saved from the Egyptian. They themselves go now to inform against him to get him killed. And it, and it took a while because Pharaoh was like, no, 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 until finally they said so much. They convinced Pharaoh, they enraged Pharaoh, and, and literally Moses was given over to the executioner. But says the sword had no effect on him. It couldn't penetrate, pierce his neck. says that all the people became blind, all the people became deaf, all the people became mute. God created a whole series of miracles here for Moses to be able to run away. And Moses ran to the land of Midian. Well, according to the Midrash, he went to another place first, but as the verse says that he went to Midian, and one way of understanding the, the years of Moses here is that he was 40 years in Egypt, and he was 40 years in Midian. 
And then, of course, he came back, redeemed the Jews, and led them for 40 years in the desert. So there are other understandings of the timeline as well. So, but it does say he settled in the land of Midian, and Rashi says that means he spent a considerable amount of time there, and he went to the well. Because he learned from Jacob, that just as Jacob found his wife by the well, found Rachel by the well, well, he also went to the well to find his wife. And who does he meet by the well? Well, the, the priest, it says priest, and Rashi explains priest here to mean an important person. So the priest of Midian had seven daughters. They came and drew water and filled the child to water their father's sheep. So Rashi explains that this was like a head, a leader of the people of Midian, Yisro, but he renounced idolatry, and then all the Midianites said, oh, you don't believe it, we believe, forget it. You can't have anything to do with us, so therefore they would not shepherd his sheep. That's why his daughters had to do it. And um, so they went to the trials, which Rosh Hashanah says these channels of running water in the ground. The shepherds came and drove them away because, again, there was this ban on them. There was an excommunication against associating with Yisrael. But the verse says, the shepherds came and drove them away. Moses got up and saved them and watered their sheep. They came to Ruel, their father, and he said, how could you come so quickly today? Ruel is another name for Yisro. And, of course, he always knew it took a very long process to hold Jaws return because they had to. They were driven away by the shepherds until the shepherds left, and then they could water the sheep, and now they came so quickly. He replied, an Egyptian man saved us from the shepherds, and he even drew water for us and watered the sheep. He said to his daughter, then where is he? Why is it that you left the men? Summon him and let him eat bread. Meaning, Yisro understood from their story when they explained that the waters of the well rose to him. He's like, oh, this is the descendant of the house of Jacob because he knew that's what happened for Jacob as well. Yisro was very learned. And he said, let him eat bread, which, as we see in other places in Tanakh, is a reference to a woman, let him marry one of you. Which, of course, then flows into the next sentence. For Moses agreed to dwell, it was just bread. The next sentence wouldn't seem to make so much sense, but if we understand it was really a matrimony proposal, Moses agreed to dwell with a man and he gave his daughter Zipporah to Moses. So he agreed, meaning he consented. That's what the word means. And the Midr says it means that he actually swore to him that he would not leave Midian without Israel's permission, which comes into play later after God appears to him in the burning bush and then he, who God sent him, he did ask Israel for permission. And Zipporah wasn't just random, you know, well, one of the seven daughters. She was, in her own right, a very, very, very holy, righteous person, worthy of marrying Moses. She gave birth to a son, and he named him Gershom. Gershom is the word Ger, stranger. He said, I've been a stranger in a foreign land. And it happened during these many days that the king of Egypt died, and the children of Israel groaned because of the work, and they cried out. Their outcry, because of the work, went up to God. Now, we have like a bunch of different things happening here. We have Moses dwelling in Midland. And then we're talking about the king of Egypt dying and the Jews groaning. And then, of course, the next chapter begins with Moses grazing his sheep and then encountering that burning bush. But this is all one storyline, so to speak, one flow, because what's happening now is the Jews were so oppressed and they cried out to God. They elicited the salvation. And therefore, Moses' salvation, Moses came to be the savior. Now, it didn't mean literally die. Literally dying would be actually a very nice thing. The Jews would be very happy. 
Bedoid meaning here had saras, like skin disease, which is one of the people we call dead, a poor person, a childless person, a wicked person, some with saras, with skin disease. And to cure himself, he would slaughter the infants of the Jews and bathe in their blood. I don't know if that cured him, but he was doing this, which added to the pain and the cruelty that the Jews were, were being oppressed with, which is why they had now redoubled crying to God. The verse says, God heard their moaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. Moaning means that they're crying. You remember the covenant. So the way it's written in the Hebrew is Briso S. Abraham. S is a word that's not really generally have a translation in Hebrew. It's, it's indicating a, a direct object. But if that's its function here, which is its normal function, it doesn't really make sense. Therefore, Rashi says, in this case, as sometimes, S actually has a meaning, it means with. As Briso, his covenant, S Abraham, S Yitzhak, S Yaakov, with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God saw the children of Israel, and God knew. God knew, meaning he focused on them. He didn't hide himself from them. Obviously, God omnipotent and knows everything. But he focused on their pain. 